The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 160. Phoenix is the most populated state capital in the United States, with almost 1.5 million people. I never, ever would have guessed that. One, two, three. I'll show you Paris in the morning. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is part two of my interview with Evo Terra. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, you're going to want to go back and do that first. In part one, Evo describes what the default lifestyle is and why him and his wife left it why they sold their three TVs, their couches, and their beds all in one day, how much money, the exact amount of money he put away before heading out and becoming a digital nomad, why the four-hour work week is crap, but why that doesn't matter, and also how he found himself invited to a birthday party on his very first night in Spain. Lots of good stuff in part one, so you want to go listen to that. You can find it at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. Of course, you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher or however you're listening to this podcast. If you've already listened to part one, then let's roll right on into part two of my interview with Evo Terra. So everything's going well. January 2015, you're hitting the road, you go to France. What has been the hardest part outside of those little minutia of like tax and things? But what has been the hardest part of the actual lifestyle? Because it sounds great and it is better for you and for me than leading the default lifestyle, but it's not always perfect. No. Yeah. There's definitely things that that aren't perfect. Um, Probably the biggest challenge that we face on a regular basis is that being really good, prototypical, classic Americans, we speak one language, American. I don't even call it English because I just spent a, a month and a half in English and the people in Manchester, uh, yeah. I don't it's think hard to understand the language <laughs> I talk to. Man, Mancunians, talk some, somewhere other than your nose, right? I mean, you can, anyhow. Not understanding much at all when we were in France was a bit... Shocking. And when you stay in the country, the countryside, a little town called Corlay, France, where the nearest big town is a town of a few hundred people and it's 20 miles away, not a lot of people there speak English. Just kind of prepare yourself for that. The good news is technology, if, if all else fails, Google Translate. Hello, Google Translate. Thank you very much. Holding that little sign at the people and then they kind of forgive you and they can get around it. It's been good. I speak a little bit of Spanish and enough to kind of get by, but I've, the good news is when you, when you put yourself in places that are somewhat 
off the beaten path, but not so far out in the country like when we were in Corlea. Probably wasn't our wisest choice of all. But, you know, just where there's a little bit off the beaten path, you know, still speak English is relatively well spoken in lots of places, especially in Europe. So it was not like we're trying to backpack the Himalayas and do anything crazy like that. But I would have liked to have known a little bit more about the language. And I wish that worked better. And I wish my technology integrated better. And I want to be able to speak into my phone and have Google or translate or whatever it is to say it right back to me. Now, that doesn't exist yet. But the, here's the trick. Perseverance. Stick with it. Simple point grunt if that's what's required. You know, get the things out. I, there hasn't been anything important that I haven't been able to communicate. And if they serve me the wrong beer, fine. I'll drink it. Not that big of a deal. Tough life. Tough life. (laughs) Give me some of the best parts of this lifestyle and then also some of the most eye-opening, like things like you didn't know we're going to be so good about this because you probably have preconceived notions of, hey, this lifestyle is going to be like this. It's going to be great because of this. Sometimes it's not even those reasons. Yeah, no, I'll give you one thing that's, that covers both of those bases. You, we had this perception that when we were going to do this travel, living in people's homes and being in non-touristy areas, that we would just be living like everybody else lives. And in fact, we are very, very much so. We're, we're doing that. But I think you forget about the opportunities to meet people along the way. And when you're sitting at home, you have the same opportunities that we have right now. You know, you, you are sitting at home and you go to lunch or you go to dinner or somebody, there are people around you having conversations. Yeah, but you're clearly local. We are clearly not local. And so when those two people with the American accents have 34 postcards spread across the table at the bar at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and the dude with the big beard is pouring beer on one of the postcards and they're speaking in an English or an American accent – that's going to draw your attention and you get t- people will come over and talk to you wanting to know more about you we have found that some of the best people that we've met ever by just being out and about talking the way we talk not trying to blend in um just simply being who we are it's been wonderful the people have been extremely friendly they're curious you know why are you doing that more importantly what we always get is wait you're staying in brion spain for 3 weeks what there's nothing to do in this town, you know, and you, so, which is an automatic conversation starter because you find things to do. We didn't get those opportunities when we were back home. You know, you go with, out with your friends, you go out with your coworkers, and you don't get a chance to meet everybody else. When you have no friends, when you have no coworkers that are around you, you will find there is great opportunity for people. Every single place we have been, with the possible exception of our first time in, in Corley, France, we have immediately made fast friends. We have a, 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 people who are now going to be long time uh, friendships with these people that we're sending them postcards from from our journey right now and they're sending us stuff and we're getting together it's it's just been wonderful and eye-opening and amazing and not just how accepting they are of a couple of idiot americans stumbling through the world but people with an interesting story to tell boy do we have an interesting story to tell and so do they and we incorporate that in our content that we put out together it's it's just been wonderful i thought i had a big network of friends before i left um, it's it's going to grow by orders of magnitude when I when it, when and or if we we call it good. One of the main tenets of why people love to travel, and the thing I hear over and over again from people I interview and and that I hear from other travelers that I just talk to, is that your senses are heightened. So not only are you more vulnerable, not only are people more willing to come up to you because you're different and they're interested, and it's obvious that you're different. 
But also, I have found that I'm so much more open to saying something to someone else because I I don't know them. I they're not with a clique, or I don't know their backstory. Whereas when you're at home, you just assume everyone's a certain avatar, a certain prototype. Like, oh, that guy's just like that, so he's like that. We probably have nothing in common. Or you don't even really think it. It's just subconscious. Oh, they're probably meeting their friends at the bar because they're at an American bar. They're American. I'm American. I'm meeting my friends. Why would I go talk to them? When I'm in Spain or when I'm in you know, Burma or wherever we are, I have no idea what these people are doing because I can't figure it out and I can't speak to them. So all of a sudden, I'm interested and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll just kind of like if I can get into a conversation or something happens or someone drops something, I'll pick it up. Like you're looking for opportunities to to speak with them as well and so are they. So all of a sudden, if you're both sides are looking for opportunities, it just happens. I th- and I think part of it is just the the attitude and atmosphere you put out about I don't want to call it an aura cuz I'm I'm not woo woo that kind of guy. But I think that, you know, first off, I walk around with a giant smile on my face all the time because I'm doing exactly what I want to do with every single moment of my life right now. So that just makes you a much more friendly and approachable person. And I'm also on the lookout for things to do, you know, not looking around to find out where the guidebook says I'm going to do because I don't really use guidebooks, um, but looking to see, I wonder where that street leads, right? So you look like an open person who who might have a question and people... I had, when we were in London for the 12 hours we were in London, but we're going back for spending a longer time there, um, we're looking at the little, uh, the tube station bus, uh, and and one of the underground employees, who, these people are not known for being friendly and helpful, could clearly see that we needed some help, but not in the way they probably do with a tourist on a regular basis. And we didn't look like we were scowling, we weren't mad about this whole situation. And they came right over right away and said, no, here's exactly what you do, here's your oyster cards, 15 pounds, blah, 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 all good to go, thanks. I was like, wow, that was, that was awesome, just because I didn't make any assumptions about him, the situation, that I, I'm in control, I know I'm not in control, and so I might as well put a big smile on my face and see if I can give me people to show up. Uh, so far, they have. It's the assumptions. That's a good word. It's the assumptions you make about other people that lead you to feel like I shouldn't talk to them or I'm not going to put myself out there. And those assumptions are hard to make when you're in other countries because you don't yeah. understand it. And right. I think, again, this this word aura, yeah, I don't know a better word for it, but when you're curious, that is very evident. And usually when people are curious, it's with this... I, I know when I travel, it's like a childlike wonderment slash like like mixed with curiosity like i'm just like wow what is that i've never seen that people can tell i mean and and everyone wants to talk to a kid and see children you know that's why people go up to babies oh they're so cute they're not afraid to talk to them i feel like that's me when i'm traveling i'm this baby and people are like well he's yo i'm gonna talk to him because he just doesn't know what's going on at all <laughs> i love it yeah I, I think that's a great i think that's really cool and it is eye-opening because you know it's going to happen if you travel a lot, but even the, as I travel, I forget. Like every time I go somewhere new, I forget that that's going to happen again. Then I'm going to run in and have these experiences with locals and with people, you know, outside of, oh, I'm going to go to the Eiffel Tower. Oh, I'm going to meet this guy in the back alley who's selling baguettes and I speak to for 20 minutes. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's a much better thing because I've seen pictures of the Eiffel Tower, but you're never going to go have to, you, you will have that memory of speaking to that guy selling baguettes for 20 minutes forever. And you're never going to get anything other than a memory with that one. But you'll, the Eiffel Tower will come up in a conversation tomorrow. But nobody will talk about that guy, the bagel. So you own that one. That's great. What advice do you have for people 
who might want to do this? Specifically, let's start with people who might have been in the same situation as you, who were pretty entrenched, had good jobs, you know, were in their mid forties. Like they they had it all, and they and they are happy. They were content. Things were okay. They didn't, you know, they didn't want to leave their job, like we were talking about. What type of advice do you have for those type of people to to a figure out if this is going to work for them, and then b if if they figure that out, how they can kind of make a go of it. Well, one of the great things about being mid forties, as as I am, um, is that you're we're afforded some some additional luxuries. Chances are we've already got our pretty decent resume, so we're not in the middle of trying to do things. Uh, the, the corporate ladder has been climbed for many of us. I was never good at that, but nonetheless, I did I did it enough to get there. So we also have means that you you may not have at twenty five, and by that I mean money. And I also mean lots of vacation time, typically, <laughs> or even perhaps the ability to take a sabbatical. So my advice um, is do something like my wife, Sheila, and I did. We just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. Well, it'll be 26 before long because it was last May. And we took 17 days and went to the Dominican Republic to renew the vows and just you know generally spend time. And, and I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say if the, that – was another one of the instrumental things to making us travel. But that long of a trip, and the 17 days doesn't sound like an incredibly long time, but it was a short enough flight for us to the Dominican, and we deeply got in with the locals, and we said, there's something to this lifestyle. So I think that's the advice right there. Find a way to take a really long vacation or a sabbatical, and skip the cruise, skip staying in the all-inclusive resort, Go and rent a place. Go to whatever. Pick a town. If you want to go to the Dominican, great. Pick that little town that we were in, Punta Cana or Punta Canada, as it's called, because there's so many Canadian expats that live there. Rent an apartment. There are tons of places everywhere that will rent apartments to tourists in for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks at a time. Just go sit and live and do it. You've got the beach right there. All things you want to do, you can go take the tours and you can do that. But see if you like this lifestyle of just wandering around whatever you want to do as your main goal in life. And if that's good for you, because it's not always good for a lot of people. A lot of people would freak out about that. They wouldn't like it. You really haven't invested anything other than one vacation that you might have blown, that you could have gone on that cruise or you could have gone to you know, spend the, the whole time in Paris. Yeah, you could do those things, but try, try it. Try a, a safe, easy way out first and find out if it's, if it's for you. And if it is, then next step, all in, baby. Just do it. You know, you know what to do from there. I like traveling, but I was really bit with the travel bug. And by that, I mean like live abroad, engage in culture type bug. When I went and did an internship after grad school, and I was in Lausanne, Switzerland for three and a half months. Before that, I had never spent any substantial time anywhere. It was always a vacation. And I thought, this is it. Like This world is huge. I could do this in 195 countries or whatever. Why am I at home? Like what? Yes, I love where my family and friends, but why am I there? I can always come back there. I can go back to that whenever I want. And But it wasn't until I did that and actually experienced it that I realized this is for me. And so your point is well taken of, you know, even if it is two weeks and that's all you can get off, go somewhere, but try to dig in there. Maybe rent an apartment instead of staying at a hotel or resort. That's going to give you a feel of, is this enough to push me then to actually going out and doing it? Exactly. If you just hang out with a bunch of other people from the same exact hotel who are on vacation, you're going to talk about vacationing. 
And vacationing to me is not the same thing as traveling. Very different things. So get to where people aren't on vacation. Get to where they live. Because you, what you will find, and Travis, you found it when you were interning and we found it in the, in the Dominican, is that every single place almost around the world you're going to get to, people live. They live their lives. And they live their lives with the same kind of jobs you do. They've got pharmacies. There are supermarkets. Someone is a plumber. Uh, all the basic things are there. There are professionals. There are business meetings. You know, Someone is starting a business in that coffee shop, sitting on working on that computer. That guy right over there working on his startup right now. He just happens to be doing it in Malmo, Sweden, not in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But the difference between the two, nothing <laughs> really when it comes down to it. Language, not, not a barrier. Seriously, just just go. That's how I knew I wanted to do the living abroad lifestyle or the, or the longer travel lifestyle was when I would be at the local sandwich shop and businessmen would come in and they do it. And I was just so curious. I'm not curious of businessmen back home. Well, sometimes I'm like, what does this guy do? But <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm seeing like they're doing the same thing as people back home. But all of a sudden, I'm curious because it's totally different to me. I'm walking through the grocery stores and I'm just picking up every product and like, this is neat. Never seen this. This is neat. And I just thought, man, that's cool to have that every day of your life. And and as you're in a place longer, it gradually wanes and you that's not a bad thing. But then you can move on if you want and yeah. do it all over again, right? If, if you really adopt this, exactly right. When you when you become complacent, when you notice that creeping up, um, go. It's that's your cue to move on. We haven't had that yet because we haven't stayed anywhere longer. But we're going to spend three months in a little town called Renong, Thailand. Um, three months in a little. Have you town. been to Thailand before? No, we've not You'll been to any it. places that we've been. I know. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it in a big way. I actually, I feel like I've seen that house sit come up quite a bit. Like I remember seeing that because me and my wife spent a bunch of time in Thailand and it's our favorite, my favorite country in the world. And so we always see these house sits come up and we're like, oh, we should do that at some point, but you'll love it. That's, that's awesome. I mean, it's a three months is a good amount of time to see if you really like a place too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we, we've always said we want to eventually wind up moving somewhere on the beach, somewhere in the tropics in that area. And it, we never picked a destination. You know, we, we kind of always thought it was going to be the Caribbean. But hey, what the heck? If I can make it in Thailand during the rainy season, um, it'll be great. Let's, let's give it a shot. Yeah. Well, I'll hook you up with tons of advice for Thailand. Just just remind me of that. Thailand comes up in every episode for whatever reason. And I, <laughs> I absolutely love it because it's the perfect mix of friendly people. You can do anything you want any day. Beautiful weather, beautiful beaches, cheap food, cheap everything, good, good food. It's awesome. So What's not to love? What's not to love? What about people who give you the excuse that I'm already situated excuse. Because you said, all right, this would be the advice I give people. Go for 17 days, see if you like it. But then they come back and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really did like that, Evo. That was really cool. But come on. Like, realistically, I have a house. I might have a family. You know, everything that comes with this default lifestyle, I'm situated. When they tell you that, what is it like? What can you give to them to say, here's how to figure it out? So. I guess my advice would be just coming from experience. You know, I we were relatively materialistic people. We had things. We had lots of stuff that we had. And the reason I haven't missed any of that stuff is that 
I'm sitting in a house right now, uh, a very nice apartment, well apportioned. It's got three TVs in it. I got books, DVD. So you have your three. You have your three TVs again. (laughs) I know exactly. Three TVs all over again, right? We've got our stuff. We've not been without stuff for the entire time we've been traveling. Is it's somebody else's stuff? And but it's it's still you know it's still stuff. It's still the thing, the same kind of things that I got into before. So if you're worried about you know not having the things around, if if that was their argument, you know ah, these these are things I've collected over the years and I just grow comfortable. You can grow comfortable anything else that that you're going to you're going to get to. I mean, every place you're going to go to will have. And you know we're not talking about staying in a tent in you know somewhere in India on the beach. That's not if you want to do that knock yourself out yeah then you're um, probably but, not making excuses of being situated no, no exactly right yeah but every single thing that you have at home i can almost promise you you're going to have when you get there i mean the coffee might be a little bit different you'll have to learn to deal with that i'm sorry but uh, there has been no conveniences with the possible exception of really good craft beer but we've even found that in most places as well. But there's there are no real excuses for that stuff. Whatever it is that you're thinking about, I get friends and I get family. Family's kind of hard to get to, but friends, I've made crazy amounts of friends, and I haven't lost any friends either. There's this thing called the internet, and we can stay really well connected through that one. We send email, we have Skype, we do that. We can talk a lot with our same friends, but now I made some brand new ones. I think people are starting to use this new thing called Facebook. Yes, I believe that's one. It connects people, right? It connects people all over the world. Case in point, we're sitting here in Breckenridge. So if you ever want good craft beer, then all you have to do is go to Colorado. Exactly right. We're sitting here in Breckenridge. And last night, we make this huge birthday dinner for a friend we just met. And this kitchen is, I mean, it has commercial grade stoves. They have grills. It's beautiful. I have never had this in any apartment or the home I own back in Philadelphia. Nothing close, right? And so we're sitting there and we're thinking, oh my gosh, it has a hot tub. Like So, we're, so like we eat, we make this meal, we go sit in the hot tub. I mean, so if that is an argument, you know, there's ways to do it. House sitting is one way. If you have some money and you want to rent nicer places, I mean, Heather and I have talked a lot about it on this podcast, how our travel style has changed where we are not staying in the diviest hostels anymore. We're upgrading a little bit because you know we're older. We're 32. That This is our lifestyle. So it's not like you have to go and pinch pennies. If you have some money and, and one of your arguments is, well, I'm situated. I like my kitchen. I like my TV. Then find a place that's going to give you that kind of stuff, but you're doing it somewhere else. And that can be through house sitting. That can be through renting apartments. It can be through a lot of ways. If people at some point in time, their arguments for not going means you don't want to go, and so stop pretending <laughs> and just and just go do something else. I mean, right, make yourself. You're making me miserable. Stop making yourself miserable, and I'll be happy too. And the friends will always be there. And when I come home, it's funny. I'll ask my friends, "Hey, when did you just last hang out with this guy?" And they're like, "Wait, when were you home last?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, three months ago." <laughs> yep, that's when we did it. I'm like, okay. Listen, I get it. I get homesick at times. I miss people. It's not to say it won't ever happen. There's times where you're living somewhere, you feel like an outsider because it's especially when you're in a different country. But that's so few and far between to the amazing experiences of meeting that lady and going to a random Spanish birthday party that 
once you do it, you're going to understand what we're talking about. And if you've already done it, you know what we're talking about. Yes, exactly right. Hey, welcome. Join the club. Please join the club. Yeah. One of the major issues that a lot of people have is their friends and family, though. Not, not that they're leaving them particularly, but that people are, think they're crazy for trying to lead this you know, unconventional life. They say, well, you can't. Like Maybe you're set. Now you're in your heart. You're like, I'm going to do it. Evo's right. I spent some time. I've done it. This is what I'm going to do. And you're, you're planning it. But people are like, you can't do that. And they start telling you why you can't do it, which is why before you thought you couldn't do it. Have you encountered that? And if so, what have you done other than just saying, maybe I'm not going to talk to you? <laughs> well, I'm fortunate in, in that I have, I have two things. One, I've got an awesome set of friends who probably would not do that kind of stuff to me. And, and the second part is, is I generally do not give a crap what anybody else thinks. So I'm a little unique from, from the perspective of a lot of people. But yeah, there have been a few people who have been the, the, the Debbie Downers, let's say, who say, you know, oh, did you think about all these terrible things that actually might happen? But I appreciate that, that input because that is the, antithesis of my enthusiasm. You need the naysayer. And I'm getting back to my startup consulting businesses, but you really need somebody playing, not just playing the role of devil's advocate, but actually thinking in your case of what are the bad things that you haven't thought of. It can help your brain get around it better. Now, if they're just simply negative because they're just negative and they don't have any good ration uh, rationale for that one. That's, that's one thing. But for the people who've given me, uh, have you thought about things? Uh, they've all really, really been helpful. And I think I'm much more successful in what we finally set out to do because of that. So don't, don't push them away unless they won't shut the hell up. And then you should push them away, obviously. But, but listen, maybe, maybe there's something there that you haven't thought of. Not that it should stop you, but you should just plan for it. Good way to shift the mindset. That's really cool. Good way to shift that mindset. I would also include with that, a lot of times they are saying it out of love. I mean, I've had plenty of people say to me like, Travis, you can't leave your teaching job because it's stable. You know how hard it is to get a teaching job in the Northeast? You're so lucky, blah, 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 blah. You can't go to grad school. You can't live in Thailand. All this stuff. It, it happens every time we do something that's out of the box. But I do have to... And sometimes I get upset. And I'm like, don't tell me what to do. But other times I have to sit back and say... It is out of love. Like That's important too. Maybe you're not right. Maybe I don't agree with you, but it's out of love, so take it for that. And like you said, don't let, it, don't let them sway you, but at least let it kind of filter into your thoughts a little bit. And if you are passionate enough about going and steadfast enough about going, you're going to go. But yeah, take it for what it is because it, is, it, it doesn't help anyone for you to get angry, like, don't tell me what to do and get upset. <laughs> take it for what it is and maybe it can actually help you think of things that you haven't thought of i did not think of that whole mindset shift so that's important yeah good good let's talk a little bit about relationships on the road because you're traveling as a couple oh i wanted to ask you real quick too with your family because that's something that's interesting and, and unique to you compared to myself how was it with your children and traveling like was that what it what was their feedback because i've never had to deal with that obviously yeah, well, we have the one 23-year-old son and um we had we'd been telling him since he was born that he had until 18 and then he had to get the hell out. We didn't quite do that, but we definitely pushed him to 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 make his own way and once he was nice and stable and he's nice and stable right now. He's not a doctor or anything crazy like that. Would be awesome. Kid, uh, go back to school and get your anyhow. Um, then you have the nest egg. Then you don't have to worry. Yeah, exactly. Do it. Do it. Do it for your old man, if nothing else. Um, but 
we had taken him traveling quite a lot growing up with us. I mean, we are travelers. We haven't extensively traveled east and west, but lots of things in the States, Canada, Mexico, Caribbean. Uh, we've taken him on a couple of vacations with us that he really enjoyed. So he knew that this was very likely, something like this might actually happen. I think the biggest shock for him when we made the decision was that um, not only that we were doing it, but that we were leaving him the cat. And he would have to deal with that. Um, but luckily, they've become quite good friends now, and it seems to be wor- working working just fine. But he he supported us all the way. I think he he thinks that we're a little crazy, but and his friends definitely think that he's a little crazy. But he's got a great pickup line now, uh, and you know that you know well, well my parents are uh, globe travelers. Mm. Uh, you know, what's your dad do? He's an accountant. Hey, you know, it's it's easy. So he's he has and he gets stories from us because he gets all the inside scoop that doesn't get posted on the blog, obviously. Um, but you know, he's probably is is fine with it. And if anything, I want him. When he's ready, if he's ready, and he's not ready right now, if he's ready to to follow in our footsteps, if that's what he wants to do, and so I want to lead by example of him, you know, which is kind of what you're supposed to do as a parent, anyhow, right? Yeah, very neat. And I uh, being on the other side, being the son, and not having a son yet, it's it's interesting to kind of put myself in that perspective and see how how it's filtered down to me. And that's lucky him; he can he can pick up people now at the bar because you could say, yeah, they're globetrotters. Oh, my parents are globetrotters. And then they think he's rich and they don't have to know otherwise, right? (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly So your relationship on the road, the podcast we did about our relationship on the road, me and Heather, and when we got interviewed for that is still to this day, probably the most downloaded, most talked about, most commented on. People loved it. I want to talk to you about your relationship on the road, things that you do that make it work because when you are traveling, we have found, and maybe you found this as well, that you're, you're making decisions constantly that at home you don't have to make because you're in that default autopilot lifestyle. So all of a sudden now you're with someone else and you're making uh, 150 decisions a day instead of five. And that leads to, you know, you can butt heads a lot more. And there's So what do you guys do to make it work? Is there is there stuff that you do? Is there stuff that you have found out? Because you've been on the road now about four months, three and a half months. So how have you found that it's worked out? So we're lucky uh, in that if you ask all of our friends that we're the sick, the sweet, lovey-dovey couple that you know kiss and hold hands in public and all that kind of stuff. Sorry, yeah, that's that's just who we are. So we we've kind of always been that way. That doesn't mean everything is perfect, and we've had plenty of good knockdown dragouts um, throughout our life. What the biggest change for us, uh, the, the the adaptation to this travel lifestyle is that there's a lot of things. You just normally naturally have a division of labor when you're a couple. There are certain things that the husband does or things that a wife does or if you, if you use different terminology, fine, whatever. That just happens when you're the default lifestyle. Like someone typically is the money person. The other person is responsible for doing the most of the cooking. Maybe somebody else is the cleaning. Maybe somebody watches the kid. Blah, 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 all those kind of things, right? Well, all those are gone or at least the vast majority of those things are are gone. You know, um, I was the money person, you know, doing the finances and stuff, uh, and I still am. But you know, it used to take a lot because I was spending a lot and earning a lot. So you know, keeping the books balanced was tough. Not so tough now. Pretty pretty simple to keep the books balanced. When, Two beers you know, at lunch, seven dollars. Yeah. 
really, pretty simple stuff. But what we have found now that we're working full time as being the opportunistic travelers and producing all of our content is it's also a division uh, of labor. So I most of the podcast responsibility falls on my shoulders, and and that's fine. I'm the guy who's been doing it for ten years and has the audio engineering background. That makes perfect sense. But also with it is the normal – she was a photographer, so she takes care of all the pictures. So we've had to figure out how do we blend the, the, the two things together, not just the pictures and the audio, but, but also I'm, I'm the writer. I've written several and, and published several books. And so how do we blend those together? We still haven't got that completely completely figured out. So content generation worse is just always an ongoing thing with us. Who's responsible for what? And then there's just the getting around and, and things that we haven't had to think of before. And there's two of them that I will tell you that recently came up. In fact, we've got a blog post out about this. It just got published a couple of days ago. Uh, Sheila wrote it. I think it's something about strengths and weaknesses. As it turns out, I am the far superior navigator. When it comes to reading the maps and figuring out where we're going to go, is this the tube to get on? It's fine. Now, we, we knew this when we were back in the States, but it kind of didn't matter back in the States, right? Because, you know, it, no real-time decisions had to be made. It wasn't that big of a deal. Well, when the, the train in front of you, you need to make a decision right now whether that's the right one to get on or the wrong one to get on. And if you do it wrong, then you don't have enough money on your card and you're going to have to – it's a friggin' nightmare. Roundabouts come from different directions. So, you know, all of those things happened. Turns out that that's a job best suited for me. We tried it, splitting it back and forth, and like, yeah, that's not going to work. I, I will take the mantle of that one. On the other hand, booking travel, something I have done uh, for a long time on my own when I'm traveling for business. I just book my own stuff, even though Sheila was a, a travel agent for about a decade, about two decades ago. She was in the travel space. A lot of things have changed. You know, there was no kayak.com back in the day. So it's become a lot easier to do that kind of stuff. Um, and I've booked travel for myself. Turns out when I'm doing it for this lifestyle, for whatever reason, I absolutely hate it, loathe doing it. It drives me batty. It takes me too long. And I'm thinking of all the things I could be doing at the time other than trying to figure out which plane I should get in so I can figure out what train I can get to. I just simply Hate it. Those are those are too many options for me. I need to make snap decisions right now, and and you can't do that in this lifestyle. Sheila, much more methodical than I am, wants to look at all the options, wants to explore things. Is not driven batty by the fact that it takes her four hours to book a damn flight. It <clears throat> irritates me to no end. So again, navigating in real time, all me. Navigating where we're going and how we're getting there eventually for the travel, all her. And never the two shall meet because we're a happier couple that way. That's awesome. And that that is stuff that you find out as you travel. And I think why people like listening to other people's relationships on the road is the fact, the matter, we don't have it figured out. You figure it out as you go and it leads to blow up sometimes and it leads to amazing <laughs> moments when you're like, wow, I can't believe my partner did that. Like they saved my butt. Like when I lost my wallet in Paris and my wife didn't care and just did everything she could to help me find it. We didn't find it. But I just sat back and thought, you could be so upset with me right now. We were supposed to go to Versailles, and I ruined this because I dropped my <laughs> wallet down the gutter somewhere. You know, and you're just... So then you sit back and you think, that's amazing. And I, I, that's why the relationships on the road work, or that's how they work. Good, bad, but you figure it out as you go. Uh, and I can promise you, whatever, back to that default lifestyle again, the default roles you played before are going to change. Maybe not completely, 
you know, I was the cook at home and I am definitely still the cook on that road. The good news is I actually enjoy cooking. No worries. That, that really hasn't changed much, but lots of other things will change. Just prepare for it and let it happen. You'll be a happier couple when you're done. So true. So true. At Extra Pack of Peanuts, our goal is to help people travel more while spending less, which is right in line with what we've been talking about basically this whole podcast. So what are some of your best tips for how people can travel more and spend less? Because you're staying on the road indefinitely with limited amount of funds and you're making some, but you have to do this day after day after day. What are some of the tips that you've learned to do it? Oh, well, you know, again, we've only been doing it for a while, so I'm not going to come at you with a wealth of knowledge about about what people think that what I think people actually should do. The, I think to me, it's the simplest things. I mean, obviously, use things like house sitting to stay for free. That's 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 gigantic. That, um, but really think twice before you do really expensive things. And I'll give you a very specific example: the house sit that we did in Nutsford, England, little town outside of Manchester. The hosts really recommended we get a rental car. Uh, I, uh, like Not just recommended, but forcefully saying, no, you will not survive in this town without a rental car. And to the point to where uh, they actually went in on it with us because we're like, well, you know, we didn't really plan that. We'd already said yes. And so like, we'd feel bad. Uh, okay. Um, totally did not need a rental car. Didn't need it. Um, I would probably give somebody that same advice in Phoenix, Arizona, where I used to live. But the reality is you totally don't need it. Public transportation, especially not in the States, kind of works. It works Amazing, pretty well. right? Infrastructure and, and, of public transportation. Yeah. And when before, we would have never thought about taking the bus to go to dinner. Why would I want to spend 45 minutes on a bus to go to dinner for maybe an hour when I could get in my car and drive and be there and to get back at home in time. You have to do what exactly when you're on the road and don't have a job? You know, it's suddenly that's, that 45 minutes is a great time for me to, to grab audio from people on the bus. It's a wonderful opportunity to do that stuff. So don't think you have to do the expensive things because somebody tells you it doesn't actually work. A little more research would have probably – just simply looking at Google Maps would have showed me that they were only about a mile and a half from the city center – I think I can walk a mile and a half. It's not that big of a deal, right? Um, so that's it. Don't don't spend because you think you have to spend. Probably there's a there's a way out. A hundred and sixty episodes in, and that is the first time that that has got mentioned. And it's such a no brainer, but it hasn't gotten mentioned, so it must not be <laughs> that much of a no brainer. But it's such a common sense thing. And there have been plenty of times you've been in the same situations, and I don't. I never even thought of it that way. Of you know, I, I thought, should we do this? But never thought, hey, people are going to tell you to do stuff. Really dig in, especially if it's expensive and you might not need it. And I think that rental car, you hit on that whole point as well of like, get out in public transportation. Some I love doing that in places that I that I'm traveling because that shows you the. I don't even want to say underbelly. That just shows you the real life of that yeah. area. Right. And the thing is, it, it's back to the default lifestyle again. The peop, They gave me that advice because they were leading their default lifestyle. Sure. Their default lifestyle said, we need a car to navigate around this place. And, they, and then you can't see past that one. Dig a little deeper and skip it on, on their end as well. One of my favorite questions to ask guests on the show is about their travel mistakes or mishaps because everyone thinks, oh, the seasoned travelers, like they've got it all together. They must never make mistakes because they do it more often. 
Well, newsflash, I make way more mistakes now because I travel constantly than when I when then I didn't uh didn't travel all the time because I get kind of complacent. Do you guys have any hilarious mishaps that you've had while traveling that kind of stick out in your mind of like, oh, I can't believe we did this. Like, well, this is pretty dumb. <laughs> I, let's see. Again, only about, you know, three and a half, four months into things. You know, our, our mishaps have been re- related to the fact that we we thought we were much healthier people <laughs> than, than we actually are. Um, I, so probably the funniest one of that is we didn't know when we left the States that, and again, we lived in Phoenix, Arizona, that Sheila... Um, is allergic to down duck feathers because as you might imagine there's not a lot of opportunity in phoenix arizona to wear things or sleep on things or under things that have heavy insulated material inside of them um newsflash everything in northern europe is made of down and yeah we found out pretty quickly uh and actually we had to wind up taking it a almost emergency trip in to see a doctor before somebody finally said, you know, maybe it's them duck feathers that are the problem here. So hilarious in that we figured it out and and we have to continually figure it out and we have to call ahead to places to make sure there aren't down and you'd be surprised where down is, pillows and and seating seating material. It's kind of everywhere. Um, Jackets, just just terrible things like that. Um, you're, You're going to have something like that happen and Hopefully, like us, you will have survived it um, because it, whatever it is, it'll, it'll be something tomorrow. Well, maybe hopefully tomorrow. Maybe next month we'll find, we'll find a new mishap to deal with. And you just deal with them because we're adaptable people. No down in Thailand. That'll be yeah. three months down free. <laughs> Woo-hoo! What do you guys have in the pipeline that people should be looking out for, either personally or professionally? Because you mentioned a lot of stuff that you're doing and a lot of content creation. So yeah. give us some of the stuff that people should be looking out for. Yeah. So the things that we're doing right now that we're really, really proud of. Um, when we started this thing, we were just going to be blogging the journey, mo- mostly because we are deep into social media. We were going to create a podcast because I kind of have to. My 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 fans would have going to demanded that from me. But what we've really found out is that we've got three primary pieces of content that are resonating with with people. One is our podcast, short almost always today under 10 minutes so you can easily fit it into your your uh your lifestyle or your listening your listening world whether you have a big long commuter you, you don't even listen to podcasts obviously they listen to your show they listen to longer podcasts because my god we've been talking for almost an hour and a half travis um but it's a really cool show. I highly, you know, definitely take a listen. It's a different, different twist on things. Sheila's been producing these things we call One Minute Memories, which is just a minute-long video still shot, if you will, which doesn't sound like you should have a video still shot, but watch them and you'll see them, of cool, interesting things that catch her eye uh, along the way. And man, I'm a, the, the response has been, has, has been really, really uh, overwhelming on those. People love those. We've got to find a way to be able to make more and more of those. Yeah, I've wa- I've watched a few of them and they are they're cool because no one else is really doing it. It's like a moving picture, but it's only a minute so you don't get bored but stuff's happening. Right. It's cool. It's really cool. Odd, oddly compelling uh, and <laughs> we stumbled into it. It works that way. Oddly compelling, and, yes. And we're having fun with these city guides. Um in fact, probably by the time this episode gets released, we will have released our city guide from uh, Sheffield, England, where we just came from. And our city guides started out as a way for us to 
put all of the content together that we generated in one individual location in, in a single spot. So yeah, the, the, the blog posts are in there for that, but it's also the, the, the photos, just a, a random collection. Sheila takes hundreds of photos along the way. So it's a collection of the best photos that are in there. The podcast we recorded, if they were location specific about that, that city, we put those in there. Um, if the places we ate and drank, we're not doing 17 paragraph reviews for TripAdvisor. We're just saying, here's a place we went. So the goal behind these city guides is you look at those, you read those, in the event that you find yourself in Sheffield, England, I don't know why you want to find yourself in Sheffield, England, but if you do find yourself in Sheffield, England, it's a quick, free, online thing you can look at and go, oh, these are the four pubs that, that Evo and Sheila drank at, and this is the restaurant, that the, the turkey place that they said was so good. It's all right there, easy, consumable. We'll find another way to do uh, to make those go further. I don't know if it's a book. I don't know if it's an app. I don't know what it's going to be. But for now, they're just simply up there and, and fun and cool. So lots more of those as as we keep keep traveling. Awesome. Th- that's perfect because that's what we do with our site too. It's like, here's our experience. Here's what we liked. Quick. You know, It's a personal recommendation. So if you like me, you will probably like what I'm doing versus going to TripAdvisor and saying, all right, this is the number one rated restaurant here by people I have no idea who they are. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we didn't want to start filling up our content with, you know, here are the top 17 things you must do in Nutsford and stuff. Because there's a ton of content out there like that. So we'll just cover the things that we did. And if something sucked, we're probably not going to put it in the guide as opposed to tell you it's terrible. I mean, there's not 17 things to avoid, although we probably could find those too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Evo, for coming on the show. I'm totally inspired by your journey, especially because you didn't allow comfort or age or any of those hey, default lifestyle things to be a factor in creating the actual lifestyle that you wanted. Remind people one more time how they can come connect with you because I know you're always interested in getting feedback from people and and talking to new travelers and all that kind of stuff and how they can follow along with your ventures. Where do they go? Sure thing. So theopportunistictravelers.com, which I know is very, very hard to spell. Uh, But nonetheless, that's our website. You can also type in shivo.wtf because I bought that domain name because TLD of WTF, of course, had to buy that one. That'll redirect you there uh, right away. You can also just search on me, Evo Terra. One of the great things about my name is uh, everything you see, that's me. Uh, they're, they're all really about me. And you know, we're all over the Facebook and the Google Plus and the Instagrams and the Pinterest and all those things with Opportunistic Travelers or t- type in me and you'll find all the stuff that we do. Pretty easy, simple to get to. Awesome. And as always, guys, anything that we mentioned in the show, plus everything we just mentioned now, we'll put that in the show notes. You can find that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. We've now kind of redone that page, so it's much easier to find all the old episodes. It's just a chronological list of how they came out. So you can go, you can find this episode. Actually, we're going to be splitting it into two episodes because we went so long. So you can get all that there um, in the show notes. If you like the podcast, I've got two quick recommendations for you guys from our archive. So if these Two shows weren't enough for you. Episode 91 and 92 with Warren and Betsy Talbot from Married with Luggage doing a very similar thing to Evo and Sheila. They started a new lifestyle in their 40s. They talk about relationship on the road. They have some really funny quips and things about that. And they even talk about buying a home in Spain. So that was a really cool interview to kind of get their... um, feedback on that and how the process that that they had to go through. And episode 28, From Alaska to Argentina with a Family of Four. That's where Nancy from FamilyOnBikes.com describes her three-year journey from, you probably guessed it, Alaska to Argentina. So proving that nothing's really impossible no matter what your situation, she took a family of four on a three-year bike journey. So pretty cool stuff. Check them out if you're itching 
for more inspiring adventure travel stories. Also, make sure to check out Evo's podcast as well. We'll link that up. You guys are going to love it. A lot shorter than mine, so you don't have to worry about me rambling on his podcast. So, Evo, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, Travis. I appreciate it, my friend. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Thanks for the support. Thank you for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris and all.